It is wonderful to be back here together after having taken a break in the summer here at Charles River Zen. And I just wanted to share with you a few of the things that happened in the summer. One of them, for example, is that it is already five years that Sasaki Joshu Roshi has passed away. So it was in 2014, in late July, and five years go by very, very quickly. In the meanwhile, since Joshu Roshi disappeared, a lot of things have happened as well. We had the very great fortune to connect with Noritake Shunan Roshi, who became the acting abbot at Rinzai-ji for some time. But now Noritake Roshi, in his early 80s, has decided not to teach anymore here in the United States. And Rinzai-ji finds itself without any abbot, any resident teacher even. So this summer I had the opportunity to go to Rinzai-ji and to lead the Ho-on Seshin, which is the Seshin in which we pay our Dharma debt to Joshu Roshi in this case. And it's not only Joshu Roshi who we pay Dharma debt to. Last April, we also had a Ho-on Seshin for Himano Edo Roshi, who we pay our Dharma debt to. It was interesting, quite an experience to come back to the temple where once I myself sat on the cushion, being a greenhorn, a chicken monk, or a beginning Zen student, and having to pick up after somebody whose shoes were so big that they can't be filled by anybody else move forward and continue to work with the Sangha on the practice, on offering an opportunity to continue to walk this path. So giving talks there, sitting in the middle of the Zendo on an elevated platform. The first talk, I was quite apprehensive of doing that. Also, the form of the talks, it's really Teisho, but to honor Roshi and to be humble, they are called Dharma talks, even though they treat koans. So within five days, uh, four koans of the Shuman Kaktoshu, the Entangled Vines collection of koans, were talked about. It was quite interesting to do that. It's also quite interesting because since 2013, when Joshu Roshi had finished, his teaching, when he had retired from teaching, I started to be at Daibosatsu Zendo and to continue my studies and my practice with the Sangha of the Zen Studies Society. And then when Joshu Roshi passed away, I became a deshi, a student, a disciple of Shinji Roshi. Now, having seen both family sides, they are cousins and so many things are similar, but certain things are also different. Having seen Joshu Roshi's teachings from a different angle has been very enriching. Very enriching in the sense that new perspectives and a completely different kind of way of looking at his teachings was offered to me 
and it was my privilege to share that with the Sangha and the Anxiety. Now, what makes one nervous or apprehensive of doing something like that? It's our human nature. Even when we look at our teachers, departed or not, we always have to keep in mind that everybody is a product of their times and everybody is unique and since we are human beings, certainly not perfect. Our striving for perfection, our longing for completeness, go hand in hand. But what we learn in Zen practice is that for that completeness, which is the only true perfection, where everything is one or everything is none, everything is zero, is something or is an experience, it's an event or whatever you want to call it. Words do not really attain very much to what it is. But when that happens, there is no human heart left. There's nobody to see it, nobody to feel it, nothing to be seen and nothing to be felt. Or, on the other hand, there is everything to be seen, everything to be heard, everything to be felt, but it is just illuminating out of itself without somebody looking at it. And from those experiences, we return into our human form, which by the very nature of having consciousness that has self-awareness, is incomplete. A world of objects, or as we call it in the Buddhist language, the world of the 10,000 things, only comes in existence through separation. Striving for completeness is a longing that we human beings have in our nature. Our thinking mind, however, likes to measure and call that what measures up to expectations perfection. It's something quite different to be complete and to be perfect. This evening somebody here from the hallway asked about another Zen teacher. Oh, well, is that person spiritually advanced or not? Truly, I did not know what to say. What kind of yardstick should we hold up to that? And I decided the best yardstick to hold up to that is none. Advanced, beginner, student, teacher, master, acolyte, whatever terms we use, those are all descriptions that only work in this world of limited, measurements. So when we sit here and follow our breath and forget our own self, when we become one with this activity of change, that we sometimes also call the activity of impermanence, anicca, mujo, in our breath we can explore it in the most physical way and the closest way to our physical human existence. And we can learn really a lot from it. First of all, there are two opposing directions or opposing phases from the point of view of a human being. 
We inhale and we exhale. And from our two-dimensional view, we also believe that inhalation and exhalation are opposites and are also temporally separated. Inhalation and exhalation, from the human point of view, do not happen at the same time. Air enters our lungs and exits our lungs. And all of that is true as long as we fixate on that point of view that there is some kind of entity that either makes all of that happen or watches all of that. In Zazen, we learn to give ourselves fully and be swept away by the exhalation. The movement itself, the activity of change, and not our speculation about it, our abstraction of it, our thinking about it with our rational two-dimensional mind, that movement itself, the energy that moves, the activity of change, the activity of nature, or we can call it the activity of Dharma, becomes the experience that teaches us about the limitations of this two-dimensional self-referencing fixated way of living. And it's always important to say that in the human world, cognition, cogitation, measurement, and abstraction are very important. Civilization, science, language even, is based upon it. And it is very helpful to think where thinking belongs. What has happened though over time is that one tends to enslave oneself to that thinking mind. One becomes unable to still recognize that the activity of Dharma or that activity of change itself is something that is even more basic, more fundamental than cogitation. So that's why we do Zazen. And we do it together in a group because it's so much easier. Culture and civilization did not come into existence through individuals just being by themselves. It is people coming together. And in the same way, when we practice together and learn about the activity of change, learn about how this universe comes into existence and how it disappears, then when we return and we see that we are sitting with other people, it allows us to conceive of a society that is based more upon these experiences and the deep knowing of that we really know nothing. And that builds a different kind of approach to how we interact, how we care for each other, and how we care for what from a self-referencing point we would call the environment, other people, and so on. This kind of practice, and in this case we call it Zen practice, but there are many other practices with other names that follow a similar path. These practices are transformational because they allow us, again, to move from having the emphasis merely on measurement, cogitation, two-dimensional kind of thinking, 
to a more multi-dimensional, full of intuition, full of real feeling, understanding of what it means to be a human being, and from that understanding what it means to be a society that lives up to those experiences and to that understanding. Arguably, over the many hundreds of years, the centuries and millennia, human development has come to crucial points, to points now that we can wipe our own species completely off the face of this universe. At the same time, we have progressed to a way that we can work at a level that individual sickness may be addressable with individual treatments. Medicine has progressed to a way that people can live longer. But that also means that with this increased possibility of doing good, prolonging life and all of that, we also have to pay very close attention to how this affects society. Letting go of a purely self-motivated, self-centered way of living to a sustainable, inclusive way that gives dignity to all humans, to all beings, that treats the planet Earth with reverence and care is ultimately how we manifest our own practice in society. This might sound almost political, but it has nothing to do with politics. Politics is a word. When you follow your breath, just by doing that and by gaining these insights into what it means to be and live from your heart-mind, then whatever word you attach to it doesn't matter anymore. Perfection, though, is firmly rooted in the two-dimensional world. Lately, even Buddhism is being criticized in America for not having eradicated all of that, not being inclusive enough. And that's from the point of view of perfection. It doesn't mean that we should do our utmost to understand the human condition in a way that inclusivity is no longer a topic. So what seems that easy thing to sit down and follow one's breath and face whatever faces us with an open mind and open heart? And to go through it, this activity of change, is much more than individual practice. The ideal of a bodhisattva who gives up their own salvation and to take along and to help others address their suffering, to help them understand how suffering comes into existence and how we can work with it, to make whole as whole as possible in the incomplete world of human beings is quite an undertaking. Again, it's not something to be thought about either. If we just think it, we'll stay stuck in that cognitive approach. But naturally, as we sit, we become kinder, more forgiving to others, more forgiving to ourselves. And without fellow practitioners, all of this would not be possible. So thank you for returning after the summer 
Thank you for your practice and taking the time to be with us here and to help humanity, society, and the universe transform one breath at a time.